It's time once again for another thrilling episode of Mark Out Radio. Of Mark Out Radio. For the next hour, sit back, pull the stick out of your ass, and enjoy. Be warned, though, smarks and internet know-it-alls will be offended, annoyed, and generally pissed off at what's about to happen to your ear holes. You've been warned. Now, Mark Out Radio. you animals welcome back market radio goes nitro episode 51 for september 2nd 1996 at the utc arena in chattanooga tennessee no i'm not gonna play you that fucking stupid song i don't get me wrong it was it was definitely in discussions <laughs> but the producer was overruled <clears throat> that's right i still have a little bit of power over the show all right, this week we're hosted by Tony Schiavone, Larry Zabisco in the first hour with, I guess, Mike Tanay at one point, but we'll get there. Eric Bischoff and Bobby Heenan in hour two. This is, of course, the 12th win in a row as Raw wasn't even on the air this week again. I mean, I guess we count this. I don't know. I They won, so that's good. Yeah. Nitro scores a 4.3 in the ratings, which again is not both audiences combined. It's just 0.1 of a point higher than last week. There were 5,893 in attendance tonight with 5,180 paying to be there. So on the plus side, more people are willing to pay to see Nitro. For those of you keeping score at home, Nitro turns one year old in two days. So I would expect some sort of fireworks this week or next week at the latest. So... If there's something Bischoff knows, it's how to mark an occasion. As the show kicks off, we get exactly that. Larry and Tony then announce the eight-man tag team main event, followed by a recap of NWO shenanigans from last week. And then we get straight into the action with the first match that I being DDP defeating Alex Wright in six minutes. I give this one a four out of five. Now, listen, Nick Patrick is going to get a lot of attention tonight, so let's just get this kicked off on the right foot, shall we? Um, Nick Patrick in the ring admonishes Wright for wrestling too well every time Wright's winning. Now, listen, I actually kind of prefer heel ref Nick Patrick. Uh, the gimmick makes more sense than the senior ref being this incompetent rube. Uh, it's not like, you know, I know that the refs are sort of a, a, an ongoing joke. The zebras, they, you know, they don't see anything. And then when they do, it's the retaliation and all that shit. And, you know, pretty much any sport. But when your ref is legitimately this incompetent from week to week, really the only way to sell it is as a heel turn. Which, listen, is being done fairly well, considering Nick Patrick's a referee and not a wrestler and not used to doing promos or really talking on camera very often. So it was actually pretty good. This match, though, was really well performed. Nothing really stuck out so much as everything that happened was done well and polished. Um, the match itself was, of course, like I said, very well performed. There was an excellent finish that was very friendly for the slow-mo replay. Not often are wrestling slow-mo replays friendly to the actual finishing maneuvers because you end up seeing all the botch spots or you end up seeing how worked it is. But in this case, it was, come on, let's be honest. It was done very, very well. All right. Now, 
After this, we get a Gene entrance rant promo with Nick Patrick. He's going to enforce force the law, and Gene is apparently a liar. Now, listen, I don't disagree that Gene is a liar. However, I'm not quite sure what law Nick Patrick's talking about. There's certainly the wrestling rule book, which I think we all know at this point really doesn't fucking matter, right? We all know that. You are a big mark. Get your Monday Nitro denim shirt promo after this with Bagwell and Gene. Um, listen, we know that Bagwell becomes a gigolo, sort of, in his later career, shall we call it? But this was straight up the kind of voice he would have used if he ran into you in a bar. Now listen, if you are not even just a cougar from back in the 90s, if you... You were the kind of broad that would have hooked up with um, Marcus Alexander Bagwell in a bar. Please, please email the show. Share your stories because fuck's sakes. Um, MLRmarkout.gmail.com, please. Because I do get stories from time to time from women that have hooked up with wrestlers. And for the most part, I don't share them because they share such detail <laughs> that there's no way to hide where this woman's from. Or the fact, indeed, that she was cheating on her husband with a pro wrestler. But anyways, I still want to hear the fucking stories because Bagwell doesn't have a fucking wife. And let's be honest, if you were married in the 90s, it's highly unlikely you're still married today. I'm just, I'm using stats, raw stats for that, okay? Anyways, after this, we get a Gene Locker Room promo with Colonel Parker and Sherry. Um... Colonel Parker wants Sherry to open her gifts. He's got her some things so she can come back to his ranch and ride the Colonel's pony. I mean, goddamn. I just... All right. Thank you. Um, after this, we get a WCW Tag Team Championship match. Harlem Heat retain against Greg the Hammer Valentine and Buddy... The Mantits Valentino in four minutes, 17 seconds. I gave that one, one and a half out of five. The debut of referee Mark Curtis. And I got to ask, do all WCW refs have two first names? I guess so, because everyone to date has. Ted DiBiase causes a distraction coming down the ring before this match starts, allowing Valentine to blindside. I believe that it was Booker T. I could be wrong. As the bell rings, Valentino, by the way, I noticed in this match, has very tiny feet, but his boots still don't fit. And other than at the beginning of this match, me mentioning his boobs, I'm going to leave his legitimate breasts alone, but I will say that he jobbed in this match well. Tony tells us that Tanae is joining for our two for the announced team, I guess, so Bischoff can keep an eye on him. I don't know. The ref counts to three, and then like 20 minutes later, some jobber rings the bell twice, marking the end of the match. And then there's a 1-800-collect slow-mo replay of the finishing series from Harlem Heat in this jobbing endeavor. Afterwards, Gene gives a ringside promo with Harlem Heat. Apparently, they face the Nasty Boys at War Games. So, of course, the Nasty Boys do a run-in. And they beat down the Heat, followed by a really shitty... Nasty Boy Spike Piledriver from the corner, which was poorly timed and even worse executed. But on the good, like, listen, there's a little bit of sunshine at the end of the tunnel because Jericho defeats Dean Malenko in 11 minutes, 20 seconds. I gave that one four and a half out of five. Holy fucking fuck. Amazing 
amazing match. Mike Tanay debuts early, sitting between Larry and Tony, I guess because Malenko and Jericho are high flyers and somehow Eric thinks that Larry and Tony can't call a wrestling match where there's kicks. Anyways, his shiny dome is gleaming over the ring mat from certain angles. There's an ECW chant that starts up after Jericho has a flurry of offense. Nick Patrick allegedly came out to heat from the crowd, according to Shivani. DiBiase leaves his seat. Tanae wonders why, since he was expecting NWO members four and five. DiBiase is either number four or number five. But either way, this is uh, one of the shitty Mike Tanay wonderings this evening. The announcers don't put over Jericho deadlifting Malenko up with his fucking neck, but I saw it. So recto- retroactively, fucking amazing show of strength from Jericho there. Absolutely worth the windows to da. Jericho is one of the first few guys to incorporate kick pads into his look, but they're, of course, they're martial arts kick pads, so they don't have anything inside the kick pad next to the shin to maintain their positioning and indeed their shape throughout the match so by the end of the match they're falling right off of him there's a very cool crossbody into the top rope spot from malenko sending both guys safely over the top rope out to the mats outside jericho with an at the time crazy springboard top turnbuckle leap from the inside to the out to get malenko on the mats malenko again just like with mysterio sells that it wasn't a three count it was a two and he kicked out in a way, this is fine. I mean, it protects him while putting over the new talent. It's just that it's an overused gimmick. And it's not just overused in the grand scheme of things because I don't see anybody else doing it. It's it's just overused because Malenko keeps using it. Post-match, Jericho gets the cel- goes to celebrate with the ECW fans at ringside, calling them they're his people. Mysterio and Super Calo teaser video uh, after this match. I guess this is to promote their fall brawl match but here's the thing first of all the video looks like it was done by an epileptic intern or or it was designed to induce an epileptic seizure but the only reason we know this is for their match at fall brawl is because tony tells us going into the teaser now if you did a teaser one would assume that you'd have some sort of graphic or voiceover anything telling us that this is a match going into fall brawl I, need, I get it, Mysterio's the champion, and you don't really have to push the champion in the old school way of doing wrestling, but when there's no information being provided, how the fuck are fans supposed to get excited? And Super Calo's never been on Nitro, so you've got no information from that. The the All the highlight videos, the most exposure he's had was a little bit of that teaser video from a Saturday night show. The rest of it's always been from the Sunday shows. So he's never actually been on television in so much as you're trying to draw in WCW fans and you're trying to, or WWE fans, sorry, and you're trying to draw them into your pay-per-view as well. So uh, it kind of fucking hits the mark again. After this, the Giant defeats Brad Armstrong in three minutes, 12 seconds. I give that one one and a half out of five. Now we all know this is a jobber match. I mean, even back then, it's obvious this is a jobber match. But did Tony really have to announce it by saying that this is a top cruiserweight taking on the biggest heavyweight in the world? I mean, listen, you can't build a monster saying dumb shit like that. Oh, this is our new big, scary, giant monster. Watch as he defeats a midget. Just fuck sakes, man. Now, Limo pulls up to the arena at this time, so of course let's go watch that instead of this match as Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, and Hogan come out of the limo and then, of course, close the door because get the fucking cameras away. We don't see who's next, except that he's 
in the ring. Anyways, both announcers start talking about how this is supposed to be a job. Why isn't it a job? A full point is deducted from the announcers being absolutely shit at their jobs. This was by far one of the more entertaining giant matches on Nitro, but that is not saying very much at all. NWO promo after this Hogan solo promo. Not terrible for his first solo heel promo. A little too 80s and repetitive, but not terrible. Could have been a lot worse. It is Hogan, after all. He has creative control, so Sullivan keeps reminding us. Hour 2 kicks off again, recapping last week's NWO shenanigans. After this, Randy Savage defeats Ron Studd in 5 minutes, 14 seconds. I gave that one 2.5 out of 5. Here comes the Yeti. Oh, wait. It's Ron Studd. Fuck. Apparently, he's named his gimmick after his trainer, Big John Studd, according to Tony. Fair enough. I mean, anything's better than the clusterfuck Yeti gimmick where there's... First, he's, uh, what is he? First, he was the abominable snowman uh, wrapped in bandages for the dungeon. And then he was a ninja for the dungeon. And now he's off on his own as um, Ron Stud instead of John Stud. <laughs> Jesus. Anyways, we go back to the NWO coming out of the limo. Of course, we break for match uh, for that. We get to see, of course, that the NWO now are wearing the iconic branded NWO t-shirts. Back in the match, of course, Randy Anderson prevents Stud from tossing Randy over the top rope. Not quite sure why. A win is a win for Savage, but I guess this wasn't the spot. Anyways, Savage does defeat Ron Stud eventually uh, in a post-match promo in the ring with Savage. Gene is promoting two upcoming Savage pay-per-view matches where he's where Savage now is predicting two victories, and that's apparently unbelievable, according to Gene. Why? I mean, do you think he's going to say, I'm going to lose? I... Jesus. Zero point zero. Listen, I know Gene's a fan of the sauce, but could we maybe wait until after the show to start with the two-finger scotch? Just, you know, so that the shit can make sense once in a while? That'd be that'd be great. Thanks, Gene. Rick and Scott Steiner defeat Sting and Lex Luger via disqualification in 3 minutes 31 seconds. I don't even know how to score this. As a match, as a pro, well, can't can't do it as a match because the the second collar and elbow tie up led to the disqualification. I guess okay, so I guess to be fair, let's let's rate this as a promo, okay? And and knowing spoiler alert, just like plug your ears or something, okay? Hold on. All right, knowing that Nick Patrick's eventually going to become the NWO ref, let's say that this is a promo. For the sake of argument, <laughs> I give it four out of five because the audience reaction puts the shit over the top. While the first, between the first collar and elbow tie up and the second one, the horsemen, we go backstage to see the horsemen run out to limo about 20 minutes after the NWO arrive to confront the NWO that, of course, aren't there. Luger in that second collar and elbow tie up bumps Nick Patrick, who then DQs Luger and Sting. While fans give Patrick a shit ton of heat. Sting and Luger then chase Nick Patrick into the backstage area. The Steiners walk back there, obviously dejected for not being able to do their usual spots. And then we end up with the main event match. Ric Flair, Arn Anderson, Chris Benoit, and Steve Mongo McMichael, otherwise known as the Horsemen, defeat... Dungeon of Doom members, Kevin Sullivan, Big Bubba, The Barbarian, and Ming in 16 minutes, 12 seconds. Holy fucking shit. That's right. 
Marco Radio is giving its first five out of five match on the one year anniversary of Nitro. It took a year to get a five out of five match out of this show, but they finally did it. That's right. <laughs> and listen, is it a five out of five match because it's the greatest wrestling that's happened on Nitro? Fuck no. It's a five out of five match because it's a five out of five wrestling match. Don't forget that this, while this is staged combat, it is still a story that needs to be told in the confines of the match. So there needs to be a story happening in the ring. There needs to be stories happening around the ring. There needs to be stories happening backstage. And all that shit just came together in this fucking match. And just, ah, uh, awesome. I liked it. All right. Jesus. It was good. It was really good. All right. So Mongo fucks up a win. <laughs> the first thing I say after saying this is the best match Nitro's ever had is that Mongo fucks up. But he does. He does. He's just terrible. He's a terrible wrestler. I know he was a good football player, but he's a god awful wrestler. All right. Anyways. Mongo fucks up a whip into the ropes. Sullivan stiffs him with a double stomp. Mongo stiff clotheslines Sullivan and then climbs up to the ropes to, well, I'm not really quite sure what his shit plan was, but it was clear he was going to stiff him because Anderson's yelling at him from the fucking ringside. Now, he does accidentally, as a result of this, have a new move to put in his arsenal as he does an armbar on Bubba that he doesn't work. And by that I say, when you are working an armbar, you don't actually twist the motherfucker's arm. <laughs> you just turn it so that instead of his knuckles facing up, his knuckles face down. That's it. You're not supposed to, like, fucking rip his arm out of the socket. So Bubba decided that in the interest of not making this look like shit, because he's a professional that's been at this for a couple of years, he takes a flipping bump onto the mat on his back, and then Mongo lets go of his hand and stomps it on the mat. So... Kudos for fucking up an arm bar, but also kudos for knowing enough to stomp on the guy's hand. And, and all I can hope is that somebody screamed that at him from the horseman's corner and it wasn't coming from the dungeon's corner. Benoit then gets tagged in and he's on the top rope. Uh, Sullivan goes to try to push him into the ring without looking to see where Barbarian was. Now, this isn't really a spot where somebody would historically get hurt. Unless, of course, that somebody that's getting shoved off the top rope would, top rope would get smashed headfirst into another wrestler. So that was a little bit weird. I mean, you know where I'm going with this, don't you? At this point, if you listen to the show enough, you do know where this is going. And it will go there. And you will cringe. So strap in for that. We go backstage, though, at this point where Patrick keeps running away from Sting out to the parking lot. Sting and Luger uh, chase him as he escapes around a cop car uh, we watch as DiBiase gets into the NWO limo parked next to the cop car Sting throws a brick through the window of the limo but the limo gets away anyways so of course Sting shoves the cop out of the way as he and Luger steal the cruiser to chase after the limo awesome back in the ring Rick low blows Ming Sullivan gets pissed and comes into the ring and gets a low blow of his own and then Barbarian gets one as well Bubba, though, wisely waves off his low blow as Flair struts around the ring, screaming and taunting. Randy Anderson, of course, saw none of this. He's the ref. Back outside, the cop is calling all of this shenanigans into his, uh, I guess, dispatcher. Back in the ring, Ming fucks up selling Arn's DDT. Today finally speaks for the first time since Hour 2 started. Where is his ta-da? 
Where is it? Yeah. <laughs> that is not a tada. It's not inaccurate, but it's not a tada. Anyways, Sullivan and Benoit start sniffing the shit out of each other until Barbarian delivers a sick power bomb on Benoit, followed by Sullivan tossing Benoit over the top rope without the ref seeing it, of course. The whole time, Mongo is standing on the ring apron like a fucking mark. Eventually, Sullivan and Benoit would end up in the ring together, again, sniffing the holy fuck out of each other, with Sullivan often delivering a head or a shoulder block right into the lower abs of Benoit. Now, as the match is ending, Benoit starts having a shouting match with Nancy, who remembers to do her job and grabs Rick's hands to help his figure four get Sullivan the tap. Again, I'm not saying that Benoit didn't do what he's accused of doing. I'm saying that the time frame that Sullivan and others echo is extremely inaccurate. And somehow, somehow we're expected to believe that he just ended after they stopped working in the same fucking company together? I don't fucking think so. Anyways, post-match is an NWO beatdown of the Horsemen and Dungeon members with Hogan nailing Randy Anderson as well. Jai comes down to the ring to a huge pop. Then he choke slams Barbarian and Ming, thus, and then hugs Nash. And there's another huge pop. I don't understand why there's another fucking pop. The only thing that got a bigger pop was when Savage got into the ring swinging the chair. There's finally heat as Hogan low blows Savage and then nails him with the chair, followed by a giant choke slamming Savage into the middle of the ring. The ring starts to fill up with garbage again as Hogan spray paints NWO and Savage's torso, then flips him over and spray paints a yellow streak up his back. By the way, the yellow spray paint was literally tucked down Hogan's tights. And not even, not even secretly, I, I was trying to figure out what the fuck was in his tights the whole time he kept dropping the big leg. Anyways, the NWO leaves chaos in the ring, then they take over the announced position, scaring away Tanae and Bischoff and Bobby the Brain. Hogan cuts a promo on who the most dominant promotion in wrestling is, which of course is inferred the NWO. Giant gets a mic, gets the headset, and cuts a long, shitty promo that gets interrupted. Thank fuck. Then he takes a spill. Excuse me. Then he takes a spell down the steps trying to clear the announced position. There's a huge brawl that never gets included. The NWO takes over the world video archives where the horsemen and dungeon mount an offense that works until Gorilla clears out to get the dungeon and horsemen out of the arena so the giant can keep droning on about the fucking Harleys and Mercs and Hogan's garage. And in true Hogan fashion, uh, Hogan interrupts to summarize and end this shit promo, which I will not give him shit for interrupting because it was really a shit fucking promo. It should have just left it with Hogan's promo as much as it pains me to say that about who the dominant promotion really is. Whew. Oh, Jesus. That was a great Nitro, though. DDP and Alex Wright kick off the show with a great match. There's a couple of snoozers, of course, but then Jericho Malenko put on a great match. Giant sucks the air out of the fucking room, but then the Steiners and Luger and Sting match happens, and that gets the fans off their asses and into it. The limo and the cop car scene get a big reaction. The main event was excellent, but then, of course, the post-match action, which is even better, getting huge reactions from the crowd. I mean, listen, after a year... After a year, Bischoff is finally figuring it out. There's some work to do with the mid-card, of course, and some fat to trim some, for some really awful wrestlers, not least of which the booby ones. 
And some of the promos were really fucking awful, let's be honest. But they were spaced out between some great stuff. Enough so that it made it seem like the whole show was one hot match or promo one after the other. So, solid fucking Nitro. Four and a half out of five for this week. Well, that was an abortion of a show. Should the mood take you, check out markoutradio.com and leave a comment. You can also find links there to our Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Stitcher channels. You can even leave a voicemail on our Skype. Just click the links and share them.